the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. First six weeks of the year have been kind of interesting because we kind of have a friendly debate going on. Recently, we've seen the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, weaken, uh, strengthen, showing more inflation. We saw the PPI number in February strengthen, showing more inflation. That's the producer prices. So the producers and the middlemen, they pass it on to the consumer. So we, we see that's happening. We kind of get it. On top of that, retail sales numbers for January month, they were reported in February, they showed a weakening. So this is not the ideal scenario that we want to see. The jobs numbers are great, but retail is weakening. It tells you that the consumer is either cold because it's January and doesn't want to go out, or it tells you that inflation's biting into their spending because we're still spending on groceries and restaurants, but we're not spending almost anywhere else with any growth year over year. And that's a little problematic. It's not horrible. But it's not great either. So taking a look at that, you know, concept right there, we may be starting to talk again just as soon as we think it's safe to say we're done talking about no recession. Maybe we're talking about a soft landing. Maybe we are talking about a hard landing recession. Um, car dealerships were weak. Home improvement retailers were weak. Sporting goods, hobby stores, clothing retailers, electronics, appliance stores all saw month over month declines in spending. We saw strength in restaurant, bars, grocery stores, and home furnishing. Um, so the, the the retail side of it is trending lower. The consumer side on inflation and producer inflation is trending a little higher. And the jobs are fine. Earnings season was fine. We're mostly through it. There was nothing that was disastrous. The companies that did miss got punished. Um. So we may be kind of in a fuzzy market as far as the lens goes for the next couple of weeks until we get closer to what the Fed wants, uh, more slow inflation numbers. And that's okay. We've had a big move. If your 401k is not near a 52-week high, there's something wrong with your 401k. You've done something incorrect in it. So the S&P 500 and the Russell 2000 have had a lot of forgetting to do recently. Yesterday's closing bell, the Russell 2000 had recouped everything it lost in the sell-off from Tuesday's CPI numbers. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, the NASDAQ, were just about there. So on one hand, when there is inflationary numbers, we get a little stressed and we see the 10-year Treasury tick higher. But a couple of days later, the stock market's like, you know, we still know those those interest rates are coming. Semiconductors have had a really good quarter. Um, applied Materials, the largest maker of semiconductor equipment, 
And if you think about that, that's kind of like a, a, a Betty Crocker oven where in Betty Crocker ovens, you make cookies, but in semiconductors, when you need semiconductors made, you need a semiconductor oven. And that's what applied materials does. That whole sector is doing well because of demand for semiconductors and the, the CHIPS Act that Biden signed into legislation. Biden's not getting a lot of credit. He's got a lot of bills through. And again, they add to our national debt, which is more and more of a problem every year. But we keep kicking it down the road. Um, and right now, there's no other alternative. It's a Tina thing going on. The United States is the best economy in the world. But our debt is flashing warning signs. Trade Desk and uh, Coinbase did well with their earnings. Coin base uh the return of cryptocurrencies to that fifty thousand level kind of has people doing some trading and doing some uh some action and that's where coinbase makes their money nvidia is to me some at the seminar i recently did a lot of people are like what are your favorite stocks and i'm like well i still like nvidia but i see 100 points downside unless they have a perfect earnings in the next year, I see 100 points upside. But in the next month, I see 100 points upside or 100 points downside. But in the next year, I see 100 points upside. Um, they've reported two quarters that were very strong with their new AI chips. They've got two more quarters that will have easy comparisons. But in the back of your head, you should always be saying to yourself, ah, what about NVIDIA and China invading Taiwan? That would be a problem. So if you've got huge gains, ask yourself, can you afford to lose those gains if China invades Taiwan? It's not going to happen today. But is it going to happen in the next five years? Many people believe it will. Total housing starts to decline 14.8% month to month. That's not good. Building permits decreased 1.5% month over month. That's not good. If you own a house, it's great because they're not building new places. They're not getting permits to build new places. Permits kind of act as a, a leading indicator. Six months from now, we should be seeing some, some building. But when permits decrease 1.5%, it's telling you there's not as much construction as we want. If you want supply to increase, that should lower um, prices of homes. Demand is struggling right now in large part due to the high cost of homes and the high cost of mortgages. So are you okay with the idea of no soft landing? That is what the chief economist of Citigroup said. He said the U.S. economy is headed for a recession in the middle of 2024. Economic data seems strong, but it's hinting at signs of a decline. Credit card delinquency rates are on the rise, and retail sales data has shown a drop in activity. All true statements, very powerful and seductive narrative around a soft landing. And we're just not seeing that in the data, he says. His name's Andrew Hollenhorst. He says the economy is benefiting from historically low unemployment, strong consumer spending, and robust GDP growth. That robust GDP growth is thanks to the Biden administration and, and the bills that they got through Congress. Which, again, if you love them or hate them, I don't care. Um, he's adding to the debt. But he's also helping the economy. Hey, I just want to say I've got a great website. You can find it at robblackshow.com. 
There's a great podcast tied towards this show. You can find that at Rob Black Show. You can find it on YouTube, which is my favorite channel that I do. It's called Rob Black Show on YouTube. Subscribe to it. Let's get those numbers higher. And you can catch market commentary. You can catch this podcast. You can catch my TV spots on Cron, all at Rob Black Show under YouTube. Talk to you soon. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. What should you do with your 401k when you switch jobs? It's a really good question to ask yourself. You can leave it where it is. You can roll it over to a self-directed IRA. You can call Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, and you go 800 Schwab, 800 Fidelity, 800 Vanguard, something like that, right? You go, I'm leaving my job, and I just, I'm going to start a new job, but I don't want to use my new jobs 401k. I want to self-direct it in an IRA. They will walk you through it. You can leave it at your firm's 401k. That's the one I tend not to recommend. And you can roll it over to a new plan if you get a new job and they allow you to open a 401k. Sometimes they make you wait six months or a year. So sometimes the best thing to do is just roll it over to your own IRA. But then you have to make decisions on your own. I would keep it in the kind of decisions that you had previously offered to you. Because you know that that's semi-appropriate. My 401k investing is done through indexes. I don't buy stocks in my 401k. I could... But I choose not to. I have enough on my plate with my life and my work and picking stocks. I was asked last uh, at the recent seminar, you know, what are my favorite stocks? And, you know, people keep asking about NVIDIA. People are now asking about ARM Holdings. And um, my opinion is we've had a great four months. I like buying stocks when things are down. I don't like buying stocks at 52-week highs. If you were to put a gun to my head, do I want a a sexy tech stock that's had a big run in the last four months? Or do I want to own the Russell 2000 or the S&P mid-cap 400 for the next nine months? Nine months isn't a long time. I would say the better bet's probably on the Russell or the S&P mid-cap. If you were to say three months, I'd say the better bet's on the Russell 2000 or mid-cap. But it's it's really, 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 uh, that's a silly game to play. I kind of like them all over time especially in my 401k. So we've had some recent hot inflation reports. We've had some weak recent retail reports. We have strong jobs numbers. You have to digest all of this. So if you have a 401k and you leave your job, yeah, I have no problem with you uh, rolling it over to the new one or rolling it over to a self-directed IRA. The amount of money in your account, if you have less than 5000 in your former employee's 401k, you may be required to transfer it. If you have less than $1,000 in the account, your former employee will likely catch you a check for the appropriate amount. If that happens, you need to deposit the check into your new employer's 401k or into an IRA within 60 days. There's some rules where you get penalized. Try not to get penalties. You work so hard for your money. When I was a younger man on this show, I would be like, I'm like a go-go dancer. I get up there and, and like I shake it. And people put give me money, but it takes a lot of work to be in shape and to eat healthy and to shake it and, and for people to notice you. Don't throw away your money. Sometimes people look at money as like, oh, I've got this lovely luxury. I could throw it away. No. If you roll over your retirement savings to a traditional or Roth IRA, 
I'm good with that. Uh, depending on what you invest in, a, a rollover can also save you money from management and administrative fees that eat into your investment returns. Problem is you're now making the decisions. And for some people, that's just not a good idea. So you don't want a collection of 401k. So if you have, I, I know this one young lady who listens to the show and she's no longer young. She's been listening for 20 years. So she's in her early forties and she went through probably six or seven tech jobs, got downsized a lot. So she had six or seven 401ks. That's impossible to plan. It's impossible in my opinion. You've got a collection there, a, a gaggle. You got too much. I think that's when you need to start looking at things. So this show is all about retirement, number one. I would say the, the, the big thing I talk about uh, to get you to retirement is investing. But sometimes you talk taxes. We talk personal finance. Those are all important things. Back to your 401k, there's sometimes in your 401k there are what are called target date funds. Here's a little hack for you. Let's say you're 30 years old and you want to retire in 30 years when you're 60. So you take a look at the calendar. It's roughly 2025. So you add 30 years to it and you buy a 2055 fund. But let's say you want to be more aggressive. You would buy a 2065 or a 2075 fund. Because those target eight funds, the longer you have, the riskier they are. And the word risky is kind of, there's some truth to it. But I want you exposed to growth. And that's where Wall Street sees the word risk. I want you to be stoked and thrilled when the market goes down. Especially if you're in target eight funds. As you get older, everything readjusts to put more bonds into it and less growth and more value. That's how target date funds work. So if you haven't started saving and you're 30 and you start a job and you're 30 years away from retirement, don't go for the 2055, go for the 2065. Act like you're 20. Again, consult a broker, rise, or particular actions, any stocks we ever mentioned on this show, right? That just goes without saying. Um, no, we, we recently celebrated Valentine's Day. And the great divorce, people over 50, when the kids leave the home, it's a staggeringly high number. Um, 30% of Americans age 50 or older are single. That's one in three, right? Many of them report enjoying the same feelings of infatuation and giddiness with a new partner that they had in their 20s and 30s when they're in their 50s. Older adults know themselves better, and they're truly dating typically for companionship and not for status symbol or conquest or confusion. Probably when I was 15, I, when I started dating, I, I, I dated all sorts of women. I, I didn't have a type. I just wanted to be loved. I was confused. There's a growing number of single or divorced older adults who can expect to live longer. So I don't know. People over 65, divorce rates have tripled. Um, you still want to be safe when you're older and dating. Um, there's things called love bombing with new romantic partners bombarding you with attention, trying to manipulate you. Um, I read all the time stories of women getting taken advantage of because he was the perfect guy. He was a realtor. He had a heart condition and I fell in love and 
uh, that, that drama of the heart condition turned out to be his excuse to get out of things to be with his, his spouse or didn't get out of things so that he could con her. Careful. Take it slow. Live a full life. I think that's super important. Um, a lot of people feel happiest when they're dating, but you should also feel happy going to concerts by yourself and, and having a social life with friends and family. Dating's not a barometer of your emotional state. Um, I don't know. Dating when you get older, it's, it's a little bit much. Um, Match.com, Tinder, Bumble, Hinge. There's so many websites and many of them have paid features and you're a little older, you don't mind paying for the features. Kind of get your results sooner than later. You're no longer looking for the game of it. You're looking for the like volume numbers of like, let's find someone. So anyway, I, I bring that up because I think dating is part of a financial plan. I think marriage is part of a financial plan, especially if you're single. I've told my spouse, if I die, please move on. And she goes, what about you? And I said, well, if you die, I'm, I'm marrying someone who's 20, 25. I'm moving on. I already got plans. And you know, that's funny. It's, it's meant to be a joke. It's not funny, but it's meant to be a joke. And every time that 25-year-old turns 30, eh, she has to go. Another time for another 25-year-old. And that's a joke. I'm trying to be a jerk. I'm trying to be relatable. I'm not that guy. Anyhow, there's a lot to think about dating and finances, especially the seniors. But let's not forget the people who are younger in dating. Don't let love lead to debt. I did. You know, I told you I just wanted to date someone when I was 15-ish. When I was 20-ish, I, I got front row concert tickets that I paid for. Oh, you don't have to pay. I got it. And I got the flights to Miami. Oh, you don't have to pay for it. I got it. Because I just wanted to be loved. Uh, kind of silly, right? I probably hurt some people because I wasn't ready to um, love as well as I wanted to be loved. One area that I splurge in and CFP Chad Burton does as well is traveling. He spends more money than I do on traveling, but you can always you can always be economical about it. I've got a friend who's wealthy, and she only flies first class, and she only uh, she just got a purse for five thousand plus dollars. And I don't get that. Uh, I'm just not that guy. Now I would fly first class if it's a long trip to Europe or a long trip to Australia. Um, I wouldn't fly first class from San Francisco to LA. It's just not worth the money. So I want you to always invest appropriately, just like I want you to always date appropriately. I see way too many people own individual stocks that don't know anything about individual stocks. I see way too many people date people aggressively and spend too much money trying to pursue love. Anyhow, and anyway, always try to be flexible as well, especially when you travel, but especially when you invest. Um, I think the best thing I could tell you that I do is I, I invest every two weeks in a 401k. And when I get bonuses, sometimes I'll put them into the stock market. Um, I'm flexible enough that sometimes the bonus goes into like a family trip or something. I don't have to invest or die. Try not to find yourself in that position. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. 
I have a YouTube channel that's my best work of everything I do, Rob Black Show on YouTube. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. So a lot of people are asking me, what are my favorite stocks right now? If you go back and listen on December 31st, so if you go to where you get podcasts, Spotify or Apple, I did a show on my favorite stocks, my current favorite stocks that I was you know, recommending. Um, I think I did about as good as I could in an hour without getting too, you know, off topic. Uh, with that said, it's still there. It's, my podcast only lasts about two months and then they disappear. And someone was asking me about it last night. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I talked all about it and you can go listen to it and it's still there. Um, and people, they're like, what do you think about NVIDIA? And I'm like, well, it's probably got a hundred plus upside and hundred downside in the short term. Uh, but Loop Capital just came out today, and I bought NVIDIA two years ago when the market was crashing on tech stocks. My favorite time to my my favorite things are when the markets are struggling. Not when markets are hitting all-time highs, but when they're struggling. In November, in September of 2022, it was $122 stock. Now it's a $738 stock, so you f- see a couple doubles in there, right? There's an analyst out there today who's calling... NVIDIA, $1,200 stock. And that's not crazy because when you look at the statistics on it, you can kind of see where the PE is. For right now, its trailing PE is almost 100. It's currently 95, but its forward PE is 35. Now, if you flash six months into the future, its PE is only at 24, from 35 to 24. Interesting, right? That's two more quarters. And what I want you to get out of that is they've had two great quarters and they have two more easy ones. Now, 30 times earnings for a company that's growing 30 times isn't expensive. It's not great, but it's not expensive either. So Loop Capital is calling it a $1,200 stock. Now, this is a $735 stock roughly, right? Who's Loop Capital? $1,200 price target. They think the results will probably significantly beat analysts' expectations this year and in each of the subsequent two years. Oppenheimer was also bullish on the NVIDIA stock this morning. They raised the price target to 850. So two analysts, one said 850, one said 1200. Currently around 725-ish, right? $1,200 from here is only 60% upside. Keep that in mind. It's no longer going from 120 to 240, woo, 240 to 480. Some of the biggest percentage gains are built into it now. It is a trillion-dollar-plus stock. Um, They are a semiconductor mostly company, but they've got a lot of software that's doing great. Um, I think they've done a really nice job, very similar to Apple, of getting the developers interested in... Even they they came out with an artificial intelligence bot recently. And I downloaded it, and it's kind of cute. It, it can look at the stuff on your computer and your documents. And since I do all my writing in Word, I've got all the documents from the last 10 years on this computer. And it could literally do a Rob Black stock um, chatbot. Within reason, it's pretty good, too. Now, again, I write for my television segment and the radio show and the, and the podcast, and I write it in a sterile news form, so it doesn't necessarily translate into me. It wouldn't be hard to write a couple essays of 
Rob Black likes to say hyperbole. Rob Black likes to exaggerate. If I've told Rob Black once, I've told him a million times not to exaggerate. But NVIDIA's getting into chatbots. And their GPUs power AI. Very interesting company. Now, the ultimate thing that can go wrong is a competitor can outdo them. Sam Altman, he wants to get trillions of dollars so he can manufacture semiconductors. Trillions? Keep in mind, the Biden semiconductor deal uh, funds up to $50 billion, not trillions. Is there that much appetite for semiconductor equipment? Um, stories that I love. Um, this is a tough one because this isn't quite right. Nike to lay off 2% of its employees. A lot of white-collar jobs, no one in the store. Um, what's important to know about that? That's a good thing if you're an owner of the stock. You're like, oh, they're trying to keep costs down. It's a horrible thing if you're the guy who's on the subway and you're working your butt off and you're like, yeah, I hear those jerks at Nike are firing people. They're selling Michael Jordan shoes for $200 and they're firing people. That doesn't make sense. Sell the shoes for 150 and keep, no, no, no. Sell the shoes for 300 and keep people, right? I don't know. I think this is all super important stuff. Um, trying to keep this non-political story out of Russia, but I'm going to keep it non-political. I think today, uh, I think that the story that we are six weeks through the year is something along the lines of, Inflation's being naggy, persistently high. It's not out of control. It's not spiking. It's creeping higher. Jobs continue to do well. Retail sales continue to creep lower. And and that's where we are. That's not a great setup. Interest rates are moving higher because of the inflation. That's not a great setup. I wish I could lie to you. My name is Rob Black, and I'm seven feet tall. So I can lie to you, but it's not a good thing to do, right? You're like, that's not very believable. Wasn't Manute Bull fun watching basketball? He had his big legs that kind of looked like a spider running. So anyhow, and anyway, um, Supermicro is one of those companies that's getting play off NVIDIA. Be careful with this one, because it's a small cap company that's suddenly become a big cap company. Uh, Mid-cap is probably the right way of saying it. Um, A lot like AMC did with the meme stocks, where it's artificially moving a whole sector of the Russell 2000 because it makes up about 2 to 3% of the weighting. And let's just put it this way. You can't build an NVIDIA AI motherboard without their motherboards from Supermicro. It's kind of a fun name to say, right? Super micro. Anyhow, and anyway, I've got a great YouTube channel, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out, Rob Black Show. You'll learn something there. Um, I'm going to try to do a little more educational shows mixed in with market news. I really appreciate you listening. Um, it's not lost on me. Um, this is very cathartic for me. And I love talking stocks. And I think you love hearing about stocks. Let's keep this relationship up. Drop me a nice email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. We talked a little bit about uh, the risk tolerance test to make sure that your asset allocation is correct. There's kind of a fine line between I want to invest as conservatively as possible to get the rate of return that I need to retire, but then 
based on that asset allocation and how that portfolio would have reacted in different situations, like 1999 to 2001, like uh, 2007 to the bottom of the market in 2009, and then how long did it take to recover? What is your true risk tolerance test? How will you react so that you don't make emotional and panicky mistakes that will affect your entire retirement? So typically selling totally out of a portfolio, even if you feel right in the beginning where I sold out and you see the market decline, you feel smart for a little while and then the market recovers and then it, then you're always scared to get back in and then it goes well beyond where you actually sold out or you sell out at the bottom and then never ever get back in and you turn in paper losses into real losses. Those are mistakes that can ruin your retirement. If you're too emotional when it comes to money, that's when you need to delegate, find a fee-only certified financial planner that acts as a fiduciary to take over the reins so that you don't make mistakes, so that you have a portfolio that's designed properly for retirement, and so you have enough safe money, which is, that's seven, uh, of the seven steps, that's, that's number three. Once you have your basic plan in place and knowing how much you need to pull out of your portfolio each year over and above your social security, maybe your rental income, maybe some dividends and interest, whatever, maybe a pension that's coming in. How much do you need to draw on your portfolio on top of that? So it's your expenses minus those items that I talked about. And I go through why you need to have three years worth of that off to the side. And luckily we can earn good rate of return on that now, right? FDIC insured money markets are out there at 5%. You can do uh, T-bills and T-notes, whether it's directly with treasurydirect.gov or inside a Schwab or Fidelity account where you can ladder T-bills and T-notes um, and get, you know, four to five percent in some cases. And sometimes you get a little bit better state tax break if you do it that way. Uh, but there's there's good ways to earn some income on that safe money now, too. But what I go through is different scenarios where hey, the market takes really good care of us over time, but there are periods in time like 2022 when stocks are bond and bonds are down in the same year. So you can still live off of your dividends from your stocks and the interest from your bonds without selling anything after a decline, but you got to have some cash to make up for that so that the portfolio will be allowed to recover like it did in, you know, from 2007, a 60-40 portfolio recovered sometime in 2010 and has, you know, gone way up since then. So the proper amount of safe money. The, also, the next one, number four, is the tax test. And which withdrawal strategy is best for you? So as you save for retirement, um, typically what happens when you're younger and you're, you're you know, putting just enough money in your 401k to get the match, but you're trying to pay off your student loans, then you start to be able to save a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you have kids and then you're paying for college. Then they graduate from college. And then you're really trying to sock money away with catch-up contributions. You're trying to pay as least amount of taxes as possible each and every year. But once you have limited resources, which is your 401k savings, your Roth savings, your taxable account, Social Security, you've got to think of your tax planning over a 35-year period. How do I keep my my bracket as low as possible? And when our certified financial planner practitioners run a financial plan, we can click on a button and show, based on the typical withdrawal strategy, which is people live off their cash and then they, you know, start to sell their lowest earning investments in their taxable accounts first. Then they go through their tax. Then they wait for a long period of time to tap into those 401ks and IRAs because they're tax deferred, right? You always hear that term, you know, we've heard Susie Orman say it, for example, hold off as long as possible. 
I don't know if she said that recently, but I remember, you know, that was on TV. I heard her say it, hold off on those IRAs, 401ks as, as long as possible. Um, well, tax law has changed a lot since 2017, especially, and they may not do well because the new age for taking required minimum distributions is age 73. Once you turn 73, you have to start pulling money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and those types of retirement accounts. So your tax bracket starts to explode. And we can show that on a graph. Here's retirement. Here's a really low tax situation that you can take advantage of for several years. And But hey, when you turn 73, or for younger people that eventually goes to age 75, your tax bracket jumps drastically. So there's that key point, date of retirement. Let's say you retire at 62. So from 62 uh, to 65, there's a tax strategy that plays off of what's the best accounts to draw from first, but are there some premium tax credits that you can get for your health insurance costs? Then from 65, once you get on Medicare till age 70, uh, when you take Social Security, that's the golden age to be able to do IRA to Roth conversions. Then it changes a little bit once you get Social Security because your taxable income goes up. When you get Social Security, odds are if you live in the Bay Area and you can afford to live in the Bay Area in retirement, 85% of your Social Security is probably taxable. There's a very complicated formula that comes into play, but but that changes your tax situation as soon as you take Social Security. And then you've got from 70 then it's 73, you have to start taking your required minimum distributions from your IRAs and 403Bs and 401Ks. And then your tax in, taxable income really jumps, really, really jumps. So there is a whole strategy between where do you draw from first to live tax efficiently? Do you do IRA to Roth conversions at a small amount, which I'll talk about in a minute? Um, what's the best tax strategy for you? Once you get that all figured out, you can say, okay, I'm going to be drawing X number of dollars out of my taxable account. I'm going to be drawing X number of dollars out of my retirement accounts. So you can tell how much cash that you need in each type of account based on your withdrawal rate and how the rest of your asset allocation looks. So then all of a sudden you have a plan and you have an asset allocation model that you can do. And then you can do what's called a Monte Carlo simulation, right? Now, this is one of the most misused probably sales tactics lately in the financial planning industry, where I think a lot of advisors are out there doing these things and not really understanding the input or the modeling around it. But the right way to do it, once you have everything really dialed in, in terms of your withdrawal strategy and the asset allocation that you're trying to model, and you get your software to assume that you rebalance to the same type of portfolio every year, the system can look through the underlying asset classes and how they have performed in the past, the volatility, other measures like that, and say, based on a thousand different randomized order of stock market returns, what is your potential success rate? So it can run a simulation of a thousand different results. And in the event on February 15th, I'll show one result where it could be very successful, but just flipping the order of the stock market returns and changing the order of math, same investment, same long-term average annual rate of return, but the order of the returns was different. One is very successful. One is a disaster just on the order of returns. So what is your risk for the order of stock market returns? That is one of the biggest risks in retirement. You have order of market returns, you have healthcare costs, and you have inflation. Those are big ones. And how do you deal with all those? And so you want to get a certain success rate on your Monte Carlo simulation as long as you have the proper asset allocation, including passing the safe money step, 
like I mentioned before, you know, as long as you have an 85% rate or, or better on Monte Carlo and that withdrawal strategy ready to go, you're fine. But if you don't have the proper amount of cash and asset allocation, you get an 85% Monte Carlo simulation, you're probably not okay. So that's an additional, you know, step that you can take to say, am I ready to go in to my employer and say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hang it up? Or am I ready to go in and sell my business or transition it to somebody else if you're a business owner? Um, and how does that all come into play tax-wise? And then you have to say, okay, what's going to happen if I get into my older years and I need long-term care, I need home health care help, I need to go into assisted living facility or full-blown assisted living uh, or full-blown full-time nursing home, which is you know 120 plus in the Bay Area, for example. How are you going to pay for that? I'm going to tell you right now, Medicare doesn't cover it. You're either going to self-insure, you're either going to buy some sort of long-term care insurance, either a hybrid life insurance policy that you can use before you die to pay for that. Or you might say, you know what, I'll probably just sell my home and um, use those assets to pay for assisted living. You have to talk about it. You have to model it so that you can talk to your spouse and your kids about what that plan might be. What's going to happen? What's plan A? What's plan B? What does this all look like? Because the long-term care insurance industry is a bit of a disaster. Costs have gone way up, especially for women, because women uh, have a longer period of stay where they're, they're going to go in for a long period of time. Like my grandmother was in memory care for was like either eight to 10 years. My grandfather was in for about six months before he passed. Um, and that just kind of tends to happen. So what is the plan for those healthcare costs, which I'll talk about too, how those have gone up in a minute. And then again, what is the plan for retirement? This is so important to say, I would rather people delay their retirement a year or two so that 10 years prior to retirement, they can focus on their health, their fitness, what they eat um, so that they can enjoy a retirement because all that money means nothing if you're spending your entire retirement years just going to the doctor. And again, the happiest clients I have are always the ones that say, I don't know how I had time to work because I'm so busy now doing the stuff that they love. So think about that. Go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. We'll be back. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.